girls. I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Ooh. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. <laughs> Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. And today we're talking about two men who are in television and movies. And they were, I think they were inspired by the Golden Girls a little bit. Christina, you're jumping the gu- you're jumping the shark here. I, we didn't even get to our reviews. Did you think that too? Did you think that too? I did, yeah. I got very... I've actually, during quarantine, just in the middle of, like, working and needing to relax, I've been watching Golden Girls because it's on Hulu, and as you know, Golden Girls is one of my favorite shows. Yee! Like, when I can't decide on what to watch, I'm putting on Golden Girls. I do that with The Office. As you know, I've been re-watching The Office... And I just got to the episode where Jim proposes to Pam in the gas station. Are they in Montclair, New Jersey? They are in Montclair, New Jersey, and that means you're probably in season four. Four or five? I think we're season five. Okay. I don't remember. I know what happens around there. Congratulations. I am somewhere in season seven of Game of Thrones. Don't ask me the last thing that happened because it's been a while. <laughs> it's yeah. been a while. Too many things happening. Hard for me to keep track. I really do want to watch The Office through the end because I've never made it to the latter seasons of The Office, so that's my plan. But still, I pepper in Golden Girls every now and then when I just need a good laugh track. Snarky, Dorothy comments. Uh, Love it. Love that show. So double up on the snark and subtract the laugh track and you have the Kaminsky method. Basically, (laughs) yes. So for those of you who have never heard of the Kaminsky Method, it is, there's two seasons of it, super short, what is it, like eight episodes each? And they're like, not even 30 minutes. It's very much a sitcom, but you only get six episodes a season. I think it's eight. I think it's Oh, eight, sorry. I think it's eight. It's on Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix for free as long as you have a Netflix subscription. And I'll just let you know now that they are coming out with a season three. Yes, they are. Two, they tell you season three is coming soon. You can also see a three on IMDb as well. All right, so this has a lot of award nominations. Yeah. So I'm going to start with the 2020 Golden Globes. I'm going to start recent and work our way back. So in 2020, during the Golden Globes, this was nominated for Best TV Series, Musical or Comedy. Michael Douglas was nominated for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. And Alan Arkin was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Musical or Comedy. In 2019 Golden Globes, so that's for season one, uh, it won Best TV Series, Musical or Comedy. Michael Douglas won Best Actor in a TV Series, Musical or Comedy. And Alan Arkin was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Musical or Comedy, which, in my opinion, he should have won, but we're getting into that later. And then, <laughs> as you know, the 2020 Emmys, the nominations have not been released yet. I, well, we're recording this on the 26th, so they're coming out this upcoming week. We'll post something on Twitter and Instagram. Look out for our accounts, because it's probably out around the time. So at this point, it has not been nominated for any Emmys, but season one was nominated. Both Douglas and Arkin were nominated for Best 
Actor and Best Supporting Actor uh, at the 2019 Emmys. Wow, that's a laundry list of things. Yes. So let's break down the summary. I'm going to do season one, and then I'm going to do season two. Okay. So we get a look into the life of the short-lived actor, longtime acting coach, Sandy Kaminsky, and his agent, Norman Newlander. While people grow old, we learn that there can be many other problems other than just some health complications. Norman loses his wife to cancer. She instructs Sandy before she dies to take care of him. We see this mutual caregiving throughout season one and their friendship blossom. Season two, Sandy's plotline develops further as we see his daughter is moving in with her boyfriend, who is Sandy's age. Sandy has a spot of testicular cancer and perhaps a shadow on his lungs. He's still having a hard time getting an acting gig. Even with Norman as his agent, he almost loses his studio. Luckily, Mindy saves him and the school with a little help from Norman. So let's get into these characters. Our main character is Sandy Kaminsky. He's played by Michael Douglas. He's a well-renowned actor who is now enjoying his later years in life by running an acting school with his quote-unquote sassy daughter Mindy, uh, played by Sarah Baker, which I can't say the name Sarah Baker without thinking of Cheaper by the Dozen, but that's just neither (laughs) here nor there. That's my own cross to bear. Sandy's best friend and agent is Norman Newlander, played by Alan Arkin. He is not afraid to speak his mind and has no filter whatsoever. Uh, He's a recent widower, as Christina said, when his wife Eileen, played by Susan Sullivan, passes away from cancer in season one. Uh, Norman's daughter is Phoebe, played by Lisa Edelstein. She's an alcoholic and a drug addict who goes to rehab in the first season and then restarts her life the second season. Uh, Norman begins to date a woman he dated 50 years before his wife. Madeline is played by Jane Seymour, who is the epitome of aging with grace. That woman is absolutely beautiful, and we should all hope to be a Jane Seymour because she is gorgeous. I want to have long gray hair like that. Oh, yes. Sandy has an on-again, off-again relationship with Lisa, played by Nancy Travis, who he met through his acting classes. And then last but not least, we have Martin, played by Paul Reiser. He's a ponytailed retiree who's dating Mindy. He's the December to their May-December romance. Oh, I like that. (laughs) So let's get into this climax, which I was just talking to Christina about this. It's kind of hard to pick a climax because though a lot happens in the show, it's pretty anticlimactic, but let's just go over this pretty quick. So, episode 5 in season 2, it's revealed that Sandy has lung cancer. He goes through the Kubler, not Keebler, stages of grief. (laughs) Norman is there to support him, and Sandy begrudgingly tells Mindy after he passes out and answers the door looking like the Passion of the Christ. Mindy swoops in to take care of Sandy, as she usually does, but he really doesn't want her help. He also begins lashing out at people due to his meds, and Mindy makes the decision because in season one, Mindy now owns the acting school, or it's in her name rather, uh, makes the decision to bring in other actors to talk to his class, aka Allison Janey. We get a guest appearance from her, and Sandy is not happy about it. Meanwhile, Norman's daughter tries to make amends with him, but she has three notebooks full of things that she wants to talk to him about, and they get through the first bullet point 
and Norman storms out because he gets so pissed off. Even though this does happen in season two, their relationship flips, and he is, and it, you can tell that they're going in the right direction. They're becoming more close at, because Madeline told him to, and there's a good connection between Madeline and Phoebe. Then we also get a surprise from uh, Norman's grandson, Haley Joel Osment. Uh, who, who has left the Church of Scientology with $1.3 million of theirs, which he feels is owed to him. And then that's all I got. All right. So I have a list of things because I felt this was easier than just telling the story of the ending. So you said some of the things already. Sorry. But that's okay. So the main part here that happens is that in the ending, we start to really find out what the Kaminsky method actually is, right? So we think at first that it's just, you know, his school and he's teaching people how to act and these are his, this is his methodology for getting an acting career. But at the end of season two, we start to see that Norman is becoming a little bit more self-aware of the fact that he sees his wife long after she has passed he starts talking about it with sandy and then also openly admits that he wants to kill himself in one way shape or form and sandy convinces him a few times that he shouldn't do it and the last time they're in the car and they have this moment and he explains why he shouldn't kill himself and it's Norman is thinking at this point, what do I have to live for? What, who, you know, who cares? And Michael Douglas looks at him and he goes, me, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me was like the epitome of tough love, you know, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, that theme was just kind of carried out well into the end. And so throughout this moment, Sandy convinces Norman that, he isn't alone that he does have people who care about him and that he shouldn't go through with this and that all this kind of sucks but there's a way out of it kind of thing so you get kind of that pep talk and then sandy kind of looks at him and says hey look at me that's the kaminsky method so part of it is is not it's not just about the acting but we get the idea of it being you know everybody is alone and we're finding a way out of it because you always have somebody else to lean on. So it was more of the idea of making your way through life, not just necessarily making your way through your acting career. I would also like to just interject really quick. He says, do you see me? Because I see you. So I think it's also like the understand, like people understanding one another. Yeah. But also like they are there for one another. The fun will never stop. The fun will never stop. So IMDb gave it an 8.2 out of 10. Okay, so I originally when I looked it up, I just saw the Kaminsky method, but then I switched it because then I looked up like Kaminsky method season two. So for season two, the critics gave it 100% and the audience gave it a 95%. Wow. Yeah. What was season one? Hold on, I'm going to do it very quickly because I did not write this down. Hold please. Kaminsky method... Overall, it's a 90% critic rating and a 93% audience rating. So season two, I guess everybody thought was better than season one. You know what I noticed? IMDb, I never like actually paid attention to this. IMDb ranks each episode. Oh, really? Yeah. What was your review? So a lot of the reviews were very good. I liked this one. It's short. 
It's titled Outstanding. It's from 2018. Beautiful, funny, sad, heartbreaking, hilarious at times. Outstanding acting, well-paced, and sharp writing. And that was just the first episode and a few minutes of the second one. A must-watch. That is very true. I like that they did a nice play on comedy and drama because they're dealing with hard issues of just like getting older and living your life but then also the comedic banter between the two of them is so good and that's why you texted me when we were watching this saying I'm laughing at every episode this is hysterical I do have to call you out I do have to call you out because we had a meeting one of our podcast meetings you had said can we just not do the Kaminsky method and watch Palm Springs instead? And then we like shifted things around for August. And I'm so glad that we didn't. I'm glad that we watched it. It's so good. It's so good. Yes, that is true. It is very well known between Christine and I that I was not down to watch this. I was like, ugh, do we have to? It's, it, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Until you press play. I'll say that, uh, I'll let the suspense live for that. Um, so I found a five-star review, and this is very much what we were talking about earlier. It says, It is a little like the Golden Girls, but with men and their family problems and life life's trials and tribulations of growing old- older. Hilarious. Which it is very much like Golden Girls. I think, um, what's his name? Norman is very, very much like Sophia. Yes. Yeah, so. you, you have the one blunt one. Well, I guess they're both blunt in their own way, but Alan Arkin's character is so blunt. Actually, if we start going into our highs and lows, his character was my high. I thought his the lines he came out with were hysterical. When they were waiting in the uh, waiting room for the doctor's appointment, and him and Sandy are having a conversation, and then all of a sudden he just stands up and starts yelling that his friend had a 2.30 doctor's appointment and is now 3.15, who's gonna help him? Hysterical. <laughs> I, there were just so many moments like that. It's hard for me to just like point out like each one, but I, I found myself, this was a show I should have taken notes as I went along, because there were so many moments where I was like, I have to remember that, I have to remember that, I have to remember that, and Same. I just couldn't. So I like lumped it all together by saying that I really appreciated the writing. And I would be interested to know how much of it was writing versus like maybe their improv or the way that they just kind of banter with each other. Like I wonder if, because the chemistry between them seems so good that like maybe at some points, maybe like, don't get me wrong, the writing is absolutely amazing. But maybe there were like spotlights of them just like bantering with each other inspired by the writing and they decided to keep it in it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case because it just seems so natural and organic actually i know i did not think about that until now i do wonder how much of it was improv on those two's part because they are such well-renowned actors at this point um i want to bring up another one of my highs which if you are familiar with michael douglas's work you may not have caught So, in episode two, you finally meet one of Sandy's ex-wives, because you always hear him talk about how he has three ex-wives, and this is Mindy's mother, and Sandy's ex-wife is in Columbia and is played by actress Kathleen Turner, 
That is a direct reference to the movie Romancing the Stone, which starred Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner, which I grabbed this really quickly off of uh, Google. It's a dowdy romantic adventure writer is hurled into a real-life adventure in the Colombian jungle in order to save her sister, who will be killed if a treasure map is not delivered to her captors. She's helped by a brash mercenary, and together they search for the priceless gem located in the map. So it's very much like a, it's an Indiana Jones type movie, but also it's a love story, and it stars these two, so... For her to be in Colombia, it's a direct reference to Romancing the Stone. My God. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. As soon as I saw her pop on screen, I'm like, why do I know this woman? And then I remembered watching that movie when I was younger. I've never watched that movie, so I don't really know. But it's pretty I, good. I didn't really have any lows. I mean, I really thought that the show, this show reminded me of, I said, um, I said to you, it kind of reminds me of Seinfeld, and it reminds me of, I didn't watch all of this, but uh, Extras with Ricky Gervais. I've never watched that. I told you it reminds me a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I've only watched a few shows here and there, but Norman and um, Larry David, I feel like they're both very much the same type of person. Yeah, I think... The only reason I didn't say Curb Your Enthusiasm is because I feel like this is a little bit more scripted, and Curb Your Enthusiasm relies a lot on improv. Yeah, I can see that. And then, like, a touch of Golden Girls. Oh, yeah. So, I, I feel like the it took, like, the best elements from all those shows and kind of, like, put them together. And what I really, really liked, which you kind of said already, was the idea of taking all of these crazy serious issues and the fact that, like, we kind of as a society forget that, like, hey, it's okay to just laugh still because sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. To get you through... A trying time and it was like things that people had to deal with who are older things that we're dealing with today like in one of the opening lines when he's giving his monologue in the classroom and he asks what the actor thinks what does he she and then he looks over at one of his students and you know guesses her pronouns and goes they and she kind of laughs at him and she's like yeah even just like something so small like that was incorporated in here, but it was incorporated in a way that was like caring, expressing the issue and bringing comedy to it. I thought it was great. I really thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I I really liked it. And I did really make me laugh to the point where I like, I just got off the phone with my parents and I told my dad, like, he needs to watch his show because I feel like he would find this absolutely hysterical. I feel like both of your parents would really enjoy this show. They would really like this show. Actually, I when you touched upon um, his students, I w- will say another one of my highs were his students because they. I am just realizing that Haley Osmond and oh my god, no, Emily Osmond and Haley Joel Osmond were both on this show. It just hit me like a like a lightning strike because in the first season, the girl Teresa, yeah, that's Emily Osmond. And then in the la- in the second season, Haley Joel Osment, their brother and sister. Really? Yes. Oh. Emily Osment was from Hannah Montana, and yeah. Haley Joel Osment is. I see dead people. We know. I see. I'm saying. Oh, right, right, right. I'm saying yes because I like people have told me this. Like Dave and I had this conversation, and I was like, "Listen, I'm poor. I didn't have the Disney Channel growing up." When I went to Florida, it was free because Disney's basically out the back door. 
And I would watch it once a year when I'd visit my grandparents. And he was like, you didn't have the Disney Channel? It's with the dish. And I was like, you never met my father. (laughs) But the odds of him getting on a roof and fixing a dish. Not not an option. Slim to none. So we didn't have the Disney Channel. Meanwhile, my parents, especially my dad, is a movie addict, so we've always had the premium package, and I grew up with the Disney Channel. But um, back to what I was saying, his students were hysterical, and I thought that they played really nicely off of his character. I really, really enjoyed them. I did have one low. There were... Some minor inconsistencies and some things that I just felt were so unbelievable. First inconsistency that I saw was in the first season, Danny DeVito is his doctor. Yes. But he's under a different name, like Doctor Something. Oh, are you referring to when they, like, say Danny DeVito's in this movie later on? I see. I thought that was... I don't I think that was done on purpose. No, but if he was already in the show and in episode five, they're like, oh, here, read this magazine. There's an interview with Danny DeVito. He was a guest on the show. You can't have him be in two places like that. He's either Danny DeVito or he's a character. I don't want them in two places. He wasn't Danny DeVito in the show. Yeah, but Dr. Danny DeVito. Yeah, but you put him on the show. He looks, he's Danny DeVito. The whole audience knows he's Danny DeVito. You can't mention him as a real person in this world when you've already made him someone else. Yeah, I thought it was funny because he played somebody else and then they called back to him. No, didn't like it. Also, Danny DeVito was also in Romancing the Stone, just throwing that out there. (laughs) One more thing that really kind of annoyed me was... There's a scene where Sandy and Martin go to Irwan. It's a very famous grocery store, overpriced grocery store in LA. And they are straight up hotboxing a car before going to, like, in the parking lot of the grocery store, probably in the handicap section. Like, who, who does that? You can do that? I don't live out in LA, man. I don't know what they do. That doesn't seem legal. If you live out in LA, um, write to us and let us know if this... Actually, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to know that this is a thing that we can do as people. I don't think we translate to the West Coast. No offense to everyone on the West Coast, if you're from the West Coast and listening to this. I feel like they hear me speak, and they're like, this is too fast. I can't. I don't know what she's talking about. She's crazy. Too many too many things at once. Anyway, those were my my two lows. I can, okay, so I can I can value that. I didn't, as I watched this, I the reason that I said I had no lows is because normally when we have lows, they are things where I'm like, ah, this, blah, right? And then I and then I put it in my I let it marinate in the old noodle, and then I think about it, and if it continues to aggravate me, then it's a low. If it doesn't aggravate me, it's something that I might just talk about, like expectation versus reality. So this is like a little on the insider's edition as to how I put my outline together. Because I'm sure everybody wants to know. This is the plumbing inside Christina's mind. This is how the water flows around in there. God help all of you now that you know how this works. (laughs) Buckle up. So that'll happen. But if... I don't have anything right away that I find myself where I'm just, I say, I say to myself, Christina, at this point, you're just going to have to look for problems. And you know that you never find any good when you go looking for trouble. Isn't isn't that the truth? 
I just let it be. I, I just I walk away. I just let it be. And that's it. And then maybe sometimes one episode, I think like a couple of days later, I watched and I was like, you know what? This irritates me now. But like, I don't go looking for it. Yeah. I don't go looking for trouble. <laughs> that's how that's how I do my outline. Snack, Snack break. break. So, Christina, I have a question for you as we go into our snack break. Yes. So, in the show, it's very well known that each character has their own signature cocktail. Norman's is an absolute martini, and uh, Sandy's is Jack with Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah. What is your signature cocktail? It depends on where I am. Okay. Okay. If it's a fancier event, mm-hmm. it'll most likely be a Cosmo. Okay. If it's not, it's probably a gin and tonic. Solid. Solid cocktail. Or a vodka and club. Yeah. Mine is an Aperol spritz. Of course it is. It is currently spritz season, but did you? can you hear Nicholas? He just, <laughs> he knows that my slogan is it's always spritz season. Because Aperol spritz are fantastic. I was trying to come up with like a play on words for like, like festive till February. Yes. But like with spritz, I couldn't do it. My improv has failed me as a person. It's okay. It's, it's three o'clock on a Sunday. The regular crowd shuffles in. Oh my God. They did that in, um, in the show. (laughs) They did. (laughs) I feel like also if it's not an Aperol spritz, it's a um, Moscow Mule. I like cocktails that settle my stomach. Um, <laughs> so ginger. Actually, I do like a Moscow Mule. That's a good one. Sometimes the sometimes the ginger beer is just too sweet, though. Like that's the thing with a gin and tonic. It, I don't like when the tonic is like loaded with sugar. Yeah, and it's hard to find tonic that's not like loaded with like corn syrup in it. That's true. Yeah, it's too much. I feel like Moscow mules are good if you're hungover, but then trying to go to brunch the next day. Like, a Moscow mule is what you order to just settle your stomach and get ready to eat a lot of pancakes. I've never tried that before, but I will consider. I also don't get hangovers, but if that ever happens, I will. You cannot see this audience, but I just severely rolled my eyes at Christina. It's my one superpower. I don't know what to tell you. I feel like death for like three days after I drink too much. No. Sorry. But I will tell you that I had the worst mimosa of my life yesterday. Good Lord. It was was supposed to be a mango mimosa. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. Um, And no, it was not at all. And then I read the fine print and I was like, there's sake in this. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no. Why would we do that? Why would we? Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing with sake in your mimosa? I personally don't mind sake. Mimosas are supposed to be like sweet and and like bubbly and like this was not that bubbly and it was not sweet at all. And then it was like it was like a little bit of mango and then it's like guess what? Sake punch in the face. Yeah, that doesn't sound appetizing. Oh my god. And it sucked because I, I had it, like, with a sweet fish. Ooh. So I thought that they would pair well together. No. No, too much sweetness. Not enough sweetness. Oh, there not was, enough sweetness. It wasn't like there was no compatibility between the two. But my my snack break actually wasn't um, an alcoholic beverage. No? What was it? 
It was ice cream. Mm. So I said that if I were to watch this all again, I would sit down with a pint of ice cream, whether it be um, if you're a little bit more health conscious, like Halo Top or Kato, or if you're just trying to get down and dirty with some Ben and Jerry's, grab a pint, grab a spoon, that one's yours. Because you feel a lot of emotions when you watch this thing, and I feel like ice cream is a good filler when you feel those emotions. That is very true. And I feel like the scenes in the frozen yogurt place really made me question when was the last time I went to go get frozen yogurt and how much I want frozen yogurt. It's been a while. It has been a while. All right. Since we touched on this earlier, I do want to now bring up what I said about the Kaminsky method. Like I said earlier, I really, really wasn't looking forward to it. It did not look like my cup of tea. Did I like this show? Yes. If I wasn't watching it for this podcast, would I have stopped watching this in the middle of the season? Probably. Because though the show was good and the comedy was very funny and I appreciate it as a show, it's still just not my cup of tea. I don't know why. It's not something that I would feel the need to binge. It's just, I don't know. Something about it just doesn't... It's not in my, like, top TV show list. I don't know why. Because it resembles shows that are in your top TV show list. Yes. I don't binged it. I don't think I would have binged it as heavily as I did because I knew that we had to get it done for the podcast. Yeah. But I think I would have still watched it probably at, like, my own Christina pace. Yeah. But I'll tell you that the one thing that I didn't expect was it seems like one of those shows that would just go on forever see Curb Your Enthusiasm, see Friends, see Seinfeld, see Golden Girls, right? There was, but once they mentioned cancer, I thought Breaking Bad. And the reason why I thought Breaking Bad is because the show now has a time limit, right? He has to get a certain amount of stuff done before he dies. So once they said like testicular cancer, but then that's fine. But then there was a shadow on the lung. I thought to myself, I don't know how they're going to fix this. So I'm assuming now that there's a time limit on the show. The health things I could completely understand. Sometimes I felt like they were just creating problems for the characters. And they kind of just like rushed them out of nowhere, I guess, because life is like that. But for example, like in season one where Sandy didn't pay his taxes for three years... I thought that was kind of a stupid storyline. It's like, why the heck, like, and then he was trying to be like, oh, my, my accountant died and I was mourning for three years. It doesn't matter. You do your taxes. Yeah, but you just forgot. I don't know. I didn't like, there just were. messed up. I don't know. There were just some things that I did not like about the show. I definitely did like it, but it just wasn't my favorite show. Oh, I can't wait for season three to come out. See, I may or may not watch season three. I'm, like, on the fence about it. Well, if it's nominated, guess what? <laughs> we're, we're watching it. <laughs> Put it on the list. As far as IRL moments go, I'm a fraction of the age of these people in the show. So I don't know if, like, any of these, like, things relate to my life directly. I'm a teacher, so maybe those bits, but... There is one huge moment in season two that directly relates to you and I and this podcast. Uh Uh-oh, what? When they're doing the comedic skits and Sandy decides to talk about the difference between a comedy and the drama, did we not have a whole conversation on this podcast? (laughs) 
Yes. I believe for the the farewell, you're like, this isn't a comedy. (laughs) We've revisited that conversation many times. Multiple times. But I thought when he started going into it, I was like, oh, this is the IRL moment. I did have one more IRL moment when one after they smoked and they went into Irwan to get their prostate supplements. Um, obviously, I don't relate to that part, but <laughs> <laughs> Martin is talking very loudly about the prostate supplements, and he just goes, "Am I being too loud?" And that's something that I can relate to very yeah. much so because I am always too loud, and usually about stuff that shouldn't be t- spoken about very loudly. I can also be loud. Can't we? Without without realizing it. It's not like I I just start at a 10. Like, sometimes I'm just like, so I put the ice cream in the freezer. My mom's like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you yelling? And I'm like, I don't know. Am I? Is this what's happening right now? <laughs> it's very funny because editing this podcast, we could be talking so softly like this, and sometimes it can be so quiet. And then all of a sudden, it just, and then boom. <laughs> That's the fun of editing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I, I think we did it all. We did it all. We did it. Thank you guys so much. I think, regardless, I think you should check out the Kaminsky Method. I think it's a nice spin on a comedy. Thanks so much for listening. Check us out on Instagram at Hey It's Two Girls and also on Twitter. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Classicstina. Danielle's only on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. I mean, you can try to find my Twitter account. I don't know (laughs) what's on there. Good luck. Whoever finds my Twitter account gets a prize, because I can't find it. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to go look right now. Thank you. You can email us at twogirlswatchtv at gmail.com. Check out the blog beer coffee donuts at wordpress.com and the youtube channel two girls drink beer we are moving into our brooklyn yep yes yes where brooklyn at there it is or no sleep till brooklyn i thought about that as well (laughs) brooklyn's on our two girls drink beer podcast podcast youtube video what what did we do brain all right we're gonna go find our brains and then let's soak them i think in like acetone okay sounds good (laughs) Jesus, okay. It's like Alan Arkin. My my grandson's brainwashing me. Maybe my brain needs a little bit of washing. IRL moment, right here. (laughs) You heard it first. (laughs) All right, everyone, enjoy your weekend. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.